Optimal Living with Dr. Jeremy Spiegel. This podcast will bring you ideas, helpful hints, how to improve your one life on this planet. Today, our podcast is sponsored by Casco Bay Medical, the Northeast's most thoughtful practice, offering general psychiatry for adults, including psychiatric evaluations and medication management, as well as treatment for opiate addiction with Suboxone, as well as medical marijuana evaluations and recommendations. Today in the studio, we have my good friend and colleague, Dr. Spiros Lazos, who I met when I was in medical school at Dartmouth Medical School in Hanover, New Hampshire. Dr. Lazos has been treating patients in Southern Maine for over 20 years, and he is a primary care physician, a family physician who does very good work. I brought him in today to speak with you, to answer a few of my questions about psychiatry in primary care. Dr. Lazos is also a physician at Casco Bay Medical in downtown Portland, Maine. Dr. Lazos, thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. You know, one of the things that I think about a lot is how do people get access to psychiatry? It's very hard to find a psychiatrist in general for a variety of reasons. And the lion's share of people seeking psychiatry don't actually see a psychiatrist first off. They often will go to their primary care physician. And I wonder if you could speak to this. That is truthful. Uh, I remember um, back in those days at medical school uh, doing my first clerkship and psychiatry was the first round of education. And I thought I'd become a psychiatrist. And then I moved into the next clerkship, pediatrics surgery, and learned to uh, love all of them. And then that's how I became a family physician. Now, 20 years later, I'm glad I did not choose psychiatry because 30% of my practice has become that. It is difficult to have a visit today where psychiatry does not become part of every problem that might affect a person. Mm -hmm. From pain, difficulty sleeping, the anxieties and the depressions. And the medications that are there, the um, lack of resources out there, the work then does fall upon the primary care physician. And I think we do do a good job of that. How is it that they present to you? I mean, isn't it true that they don't necessarily know that they're depressed, say, when they go to the doctor? Exactly. Exactly. They come in with a a collection of symptoms. And between the patient and the doctor, after a conversation, you come up with an idea. Psychiatry becomes difficult because unlike in any other fields, you cannot order a blood test. You cannot order a level of depression or a level of anxiety. Mm -hmm. So then by elimination of maybe some of the somatic symptoms or the things that you think could be the cause of their condition, you may then agree upon trying a medication. The somatic symptoms, you mean body symptoms? Yeah, Uh, sometimes the headaches or why do I always have a belly pain? Uh, How come I I can't stop thinking. Um, fatigue. Fatigue. Many people look for causes of the fatigue to be your thyroid's off. 50% of the time, it turns out to be these things we cannot measure inside of us. Our anxieties, our depression, our unhappiness, our stresses. And take me through what might you do, if you could, where someone is, has those exact complaints. To what degree will you work them up? Depends on the person. So you have an honest conversation, you say your diagnosis might be due to this condition of anxiety and depression. There is no blood test. 
it depends on the person if they're willing to accept your word as the diagnosis. Many times we'll have to do a test or two to eliminate these other causes. Mm -hmm. And then after a few conversations, uh, maybe willing to try a medication, mm -hmm. which will take weeks uh, if we're lucky to work. In your practice, is there room for an alternative to medication for a psychiatric condition? Say you determine that, you know what, turns out this person is not hypothyroid, uh, there's no other endocrinological uh, conditions, um, and it seems like this is a kind of garden variety, moderate depression. You describe that to the patient and you say, look, this is sort of what I'm thinking. What then? I mean, would you send them to psychotherapy or would you just start them on Prozac or what would you do? Yeah, well, it, well, we talk about things you can do in life. You can reduce your stress by first finding out the source of your stress. Do you have to change your job? Is it your spouse? How's your communication? Mm -hmm. Are you exercising? Um, I think there's studies out there proving yoga, laughing, having good sex. Mm -hmm. Those things can help people fight through depression and so forth. If people have tried those things, then we talk about the options of medication, counseling, and we do have a counselor. I think a lot of family practice or uh, primary care offices are now adding satellites for counseling in their okay, offices. Good. So we offer them that, we offer them medication or both. Yeah. And then typically we see them back in four to six weeks and see if it's kicked in, how they're doing. And then at what point would you consider referral to a psychiatrist? So this is usually many months down the road because one, it's difficult to get to a psychiatrist. You probably have gone through two or three medications. You've gone through a few sessions of counseling. People have made these changes that they can, but they're stuck. Or the things that are causing their depression or anxiety are deep. Mm -hmm. um, may it be illicit substance use or past history of abuse or things of that sort, we then try an attempt to get them to the psychiatrist to review what we've done, and in hopes of consultation, are there better combinations of medication to use? Well, I mean, you sound like you are quite uh, knowledgeable about how to manage a psychiatric condition in primary care. Not everyone's like you. Um, there are some physicians that want nothing to do with anything psychiatric uh, in primary care. I mean, this may be, sound like an exaggeration, but I think there are some people who are much more fluent in and comfortable with the diagnoses and treatment of psychiatric conditions in a primary care setting. It's true. It takes time, and time, um, unfortunately, isn't available like it used to be. Um, so you might have to build that relationship over a number of visits. And um, if you get into certain medications that might require um, controlled substances, okay. it's become more difficult to prescribe. You have to have people sign forms and use your computer to generate these codes. And you can see where an overwhelmed primary care physician might want to push that stuff aside or try to refer. You say that there's not enough time compared to the past. Are you talking about uh, visit time? To visit time, yeah. Well, when you first start a practice, you might not have as many patients. When um, there were more services out there where you had counselors and psychiatrists available, that load didn't always fall upon the primary care physician. So there was time per visit and then also the number of visits per day, which is both things have been squeezed. Do you think it's better that 
primary care physicians have access to the psychiatric medications and treatment, or would it be better if you had nothing to do with them at all and that it was just the province of the psychiatrist or psychiatric practitioner? Well, certainly primary care is the home of care, and that's where you build a relationship with a person. And the beginnings of treatment for anxiety, depression, grievances, Mm -hmm. that is the place for that. Mm -hmm. There are difficult psychiatric problems that require complicated medication courses that need management. That is a field of psychiatry. There's difficulty in helping people with polysubstance abuse that are addicted to things that also require mental health issues. Now that's when it becomes a little more difficult where you might want to seek those services. Yeah. If somebody is, it's funny about psychiatry because it seems like, well, I mean, you can get a lot of this through the primary care physician, especially somebody who's good at it, like yourself, or, or interested in it. But at the same time, I think it's also deceptively simple, uh, psychiatry, because it's this idea of listening with the third ear. I mean, this mm-hmm. is uh, one way to put it, uh, where it may not actually be what someone is telling you overtly. Maybe there's sort of these covert Uh, signals uh, that you get from somebody. And then it's that experience that you've had sort of listening to these small details because a psychiatrist has more time. Again, these days it may be less more time than before, but still it's, it's more time than just a few minutes in the primary care office. You might listen for certain things that someone else might miss. And so then you may go down another path of questioning that may not have happened in a primary care's office when you're also trying to treat their hypertension and their uh, diabetes and whatever else. It is true. There are more than one problem sets that you treat per visit. And what you described, probably the golden era of psychiatry, when you had that hour appointment with someone where you mix in the counseling, the listening, the prescribing of medications. Mm -hmm. Again, I think this day and age, that's cut down where Unfortunately, a trained psychiatrist is taken to just prescribing and quickly seeing people in 15 minutes where you have to build that rapport over time. Mm -hmm. That's the only benefit in primary care is that I might have known a person for 10 or 15 years. So it doesn't take as much time and I know what might have happened to them or their spouse or the triggers, Mm -hmm. which gives me that insight. Yes. Well, that's interesting, too, because a lot of people take issue with psychiatry as being too quick and just medication-focused. And again, there's a lot of forces driving uh, that, Mm -hmm. and there are many factors uh, that are involved in how your particular psychiatric practitioner uh, practices, whether insurance is involved or not. In fact, people may even find that those psychiatrists that do not have anything to do with insurance, uh, where you would pay out of pocket, say, that what you get back in not having your data sent to some big company, I mean, there, there are some benefits that people look for in uh, going outside of uh, you know, their primary care to um, a psychiatrist out, out in the world. I would have to agree with that. I mean, if, even if you look at your coverage from insurance, most of us carry a large deductible or copay where no matter even if we went to a referred source, we'd still have to pay a lot. 
if you could find a psychiatrist, which are difficult, again, to find, Mm -hmm. who would give you that hour of listening, Mm -hmm. and you still had to pay out of pocket, which might equal the amount that you'd have to pay using insurance or not, Mm -hmm. the value could be there. Mm -hmm. There might be a, a, a change or a new wave where these specialties that are not available now come to the market because the few that stay around are available in in this avenue. Mm -hmm. There must be people who don't appreciate the stigma of, I have to go see a psychiatrist. Tell me about that. Do you see that at all? Certainly. Yeah, certainly. Especially in Maine. We we live in a a state that have, you know, people that are hardened by the weather and Mm -hmm. certainly can overcome anything they want. So to listen, it does take a couple of visits to convince them that their headaches, belly pain, chronic pain syndrome, fatigue is coming from the mind. Mm -hmm. So once you do that, now to convince them to take a medication, that's the next hurdle. Never mind counseling. Mm -hmm. Never mind if the medication doesn't work and to see a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) we eventually get there, I think. Yeah. It's interesting how you put it because different places have a different uh, attitude uh, towards these things, you know, if you're... Sure, I think even different nationalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been studies showing, um, maybe we shouldn't mention, but Italians might come and express themselves differently, be open uh-huh. uh, where a small wound might cause tremendous pain and then it's overcome, yeah. while others like Mainers... Maybe more stoic. Stoic. And, and, uh, you're, yeah. you're bleeding from your leg. Yeah, and, and they put uh, bag bomb and duct <laughs> yes, tape on it and that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Say you were talking to our audience. Yes. Um, and um, you wanted to give them some advice about something psychiatric, uh, some some kind mm-hmm. of uh, whether they've been chronically depressed or they're now they're dealing with panic attacks that uh, come out of the blue. They've never had this before. Or they have perhaps a trigger of uh, a recent trigger of post-traumatic stress, mm-hmm. uh, something that might have been old and almost dormant, but uh, comes alive anew recently because of recent events. Where would you have them start? Everything you just mentioned can be a daily occurrence in the primary care office. We live in a trying time in that it's expensive. Everything's based on a two-person income. We work day in and day out. Everything's got to be perfectly juggled, and it takes one item uh, to not be in that air where it suddenly falls apart and we can become stressed, confused, panicked. If that's a pattern that you recognize in yourself, start with your primary care office. Make an appointment. Have a discussion. And then we can try to figure out Can we reverse this? Is it a trigger that can be overcome? Are there old traumas or things that bothered you in the past that are coming now that you've buried just in order to uh, succeed and move on? Or do you need something more? Do you need medications? Do you need help of a psychiatrist? That'd be a great place to start. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Dr. Spiros Lazos, thank you so much for coming, talking to us today. Dr. Spiegel, thank you very much. 